0: Previously on Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake.
1: Chandra! Chandra! Oh, thank God. Bruce! You shouldn't have followed us. You're back.
2: You're quite a detective, Mr. Wayne, is it? Or would you prefer Sir Hemingford Gray? The beating Yuri gave you at Monkley was meant to silence you forever. At least this left you barely able to walk. I can still take you down, ass. Not necessarily. This piece of headgear I'm wearing rather gives me the edge.
1: And as you evidently mean rather a lot to Chandra here, what we're about to do to you has a certain pecansy? No! Don't touch me! Lay a finger on her and... Ah, but a finger is all it takes to augment my psychic power with Chandra's healing ability. With this
2: helmet to reverse the polarity, I focus the combined result on you and... Ah! the power flows out of you and you can't stop it. Maybe I can't stop it, but I can't of it. What? And drag my thoughts at you. No, you, you'll cause a feedback loop and the damages both. Shut no, stop.
3: You don't like the drake. I hate the drake. I love the drake. How could you not like the drake? Who's
4: the drake?
3: Who's the drake? The
4: drake is good.
3: Do you like the drake? I love the drake. What about
2: the
1: drake? Oh, screw the drake. I love the drake.
0: Hello everyone, welcome to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake comic podcast. This podcast will take a chronological look at the third Robin, Tim Drake. We will be looking at the classic 90s-2000 Robin series and other notable comics with Tim in that era, while also simultaneously taking a look at Tim in the modern era as Red Robin in the pages of DC Comics, plus other Robin and Batman happenings in the world. So sit back, relax, and find out why everyone loves the Drake.
1: Love the
2: Drake! Got to love the Drake!
1: I'm impressed. What can I say? I'm irresistible.
0: Hello everyone. Welcome to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake. This is episode fifty. Woohoo! Okay, we didn't have anything really planned. Maybe we'll we'll do something like we'll celebrate episode fifty-one or fifty-six. Um, <laughs> the last episode went a little bit longer, so uh, here's where we're finally back, getting back to Night's Quest. So, want to welcome Ryan and Terrence. Uh, how are
3: you guys doing tonight, Ryan? How you doing, sir? I'm good. I love nightfall and night quest and i can't wait to wrap this up and get to the one issue of robin that's night quest related yeah jared how's it going
4: doing good i like how last episode ryan became a permanent co-host and we just the way you keep them don't let them go we just record yeah. one yeah. Night after another like yeah. we it. gotta
3: record the next 50 episodes yeah pick yeah.
4: Th- something for episode 100 because we should get to that around 3 a.m right. so you know <laughs>
0: after a while we'll just have our whole team we'll have like 50 other podcasters on here that we just
4: suckered in and we just we're not letting anybody go hey so since we had a minute here because we kind of went around the other time just i wanted to take three minutes here and real quickly so uh star wars uh the uh rogue one uh ryan the the two excellent uh episodes on batman on film podcasts about them so i tell everybody if you haven't checked it out check those out but uh i wanted to ask rob if you ranked the star wars films you don't have to rank them all but where would rogue one rank for you and then ryan i would ask in um Since you recorded those podcasts, because it seemed people on the podcast was funny. was like like an emotional like torment to like rank one above the other. But uh, has your has your ranking changed at all since the last podcast? So, Rob, what do you think? Where would you rank Rogue One?
0: Oh, man, that that sucks as a Star Wars fan to ask that question. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's torture, Um, you know. You and I have talked, I I really enjoy the prequels. But in good conscience, I can't put the prequels higher than the original trilogy. So those are in the bottom of the list, not because they they suck. Some people may think they do, but theirs are lower. But as far as where Rogue One goes, I I flip-flop. I I change teams all the time. I I will profess my love for Return of the Jedi. I absolutely love that movie. And I always say I like that more than Empire, because I feel like Empire's Godfather 2, where you go... Well, everybody likes Godfather 2, you know, like, you're supposed to say that. But I think uh, the same feeling I had, was it 83, 84 when that came out? 83. 83, that I felt like a sense of accomplishment. Luke Skywalker saved his father, they won, like yay, we won, we saved the galaxy, and it was all wrapped up in this nice, tight little bow. Everybody lives happily ever after, not knowing the Force Awakens is coming. And I felt, like, completed, you know, as a child of the 80s and sad, like, that's it, there's no more. But I I was completely happy with it, and I liked seeing Luke become the farm boy and then grow to become a Jedi Knight and not give in to the dark side. There's that whole long speech. So, you want to know where Rogue One goes? I enjoyed Rogue One so much, and it made me... Even like a New Hope, even more. So, man, I'm probably gonna get booed for this. Jedi, Rogue One,
4: (sighs) a New Hope, Empire. Wow! So it's number two on your list. Wow!
0: Yeah, I think just because of all of the callbacks to the to the prequels and seeing where it dovetailed, I just I've always wanted that that ground war and space battle that with all those rebels kind of being like, well, you know, we don't know if we're going to get involved. And it took this group of uh, fighters to go, all right, fine, we're going to do it. We know we're probably not coming back. And that was the catalyst where the rebellion is going, all right, if this group of people was willing to risk everything, then we have to commit and we've got to go forward. So I think because of how it made me feel about, a New Hope, it it elevated it for me. I just I really enjoyed it. So yeah, I, I, it's resting at number two right now. I don't know if that's I'm still on a high from having seen it. So, but but right now it's it's number two in my list.
4: Cool. How about you, Ryan? Has it changed since the re- podcast recording? Well, when we recorded the podcast, I
3: I couldn't even rank it because I'm like I don't know. It just came out. I don't know. <laughs> but- but you know it's still hard to rank i think but um <laughs> as a complete movie i think it's i think it's really good and for me it improved a new hope yes you know it just it just clarified a lot of the things that happened in new hope a new hope has never really been my favorite star wars movie but even even though it's extremely important obviously but if i had to rank it now i think it would probably end up in the top in the top half you know i would say actually yeah, I mean I might even be number 2. I I I would rank uh Empire, then maybe Rogue One, then Jedi, then Episode 3, then A New Hope, maybe. And, oh yeah, The Force Awakens fits in there too. Force Awakens yeah, would probably yeah. Force Awakens would probably be That's so hard to rank too. Uh <laughs> The Force unfair. Awakens. Pick your favorite is child. probably <laughs> uh before Episode 3. Yeah, Force Awakens would be
4: cool i i so put it's it up there yeah i put it in my list fourth and you can sure. put a new hope return of the jedi and the force awakens in any order one two three depending on how i'm yeah. feeling and what I, i'm yeah. in the mood for and yeah what i appreciate and what i'm i'm looking at you know they, they can flip flop so easily yeah uh but I, I i would put it i like return of the jedi a lot too rob and a, a lot of that has to do with nostalgia that yeah. it came out when i was in third grade the summer of you know, third grade and all that kind of stuff. So it, it was just like the right time for me. But um, I just put it just just a little bit ahead of that uh, in my list. Uh, but yeah, thanks for answering that guy. I was just kind of curious. Yeah, I, I, that's one of those, if you ask me that question in the next podcast, my order's probably going
0: to change. I think you said it great. Yeah. Depending on how I feel, it's going to move it around. I like all those so much. But I don't know if you guys did this after we watched Rogue One. I immediately came home, put in A New Hope, and watched you know, oh, yeah. That that first little bit. And I don't want to turn to into a Star Wars podcast, but seeing Darth Vader talk to Leia, it makes that dialogue almost seem comical now where she's like, we're on a diplomatic mission. Whereas he's like, bullcrap. Yeah, bull. I, yeah. I know you are not. And and knowing, like, I understand why he's pissed off. You know, like, I, I get, yeah. like, oh, he's – back then you're thinking, oh, he's just mad because he's Darth Vader. He's mad because, you know – you're lying to me i know we're gonna tear the ship apart i'm gonna find the plans so i i I thought that was that was really good but yeah ask me next week and i'll I'll have a new ranking for you
4: (laughs) yeah i did the same thing and you know what got me too was uh in the crawl there's like a a line it says like the rebels had just won their first battle and i'm like i just seen that a billion times and never even thought about it and i'm like i just saw that battle i just watched it on my screen so yeah i did the same thing yeah uh, definitely um we
0: With episode 50 here, uh, we're finally getting back to uh, Nightfall, you know, officially. Uh, actually, we're in uh, Night's Quest slash The Search, uh, uh, have you. I uh, just kind of wanted to go around and ask you guys what you, what you thought of uh, Night's Quest, and uh, maybe we can tiptoe into The Search, even though it hasn't been properly collected officially, maybe in the omnibus that's coming out um, in April, I think. Maybe that's coming yeah. out. Maybe we'll see it. Maybe it's in volume two or something like that. Best your thoughts on uh, Night Quest, you know, were, did you continue reading after Nightfall? Were you invested in this or did you jump ship and only read Robin or did you just read the search? So uh, let's start with Terrence.
4: Yeah, so when this came out, I was in college. Uh, I think it was my first year of college and I lived at home in college. So I was commuting, uh, so I had a lot of time to go to the comic book store so you know i had been reading comics for oh probably about six years or so at that point and uh it was just a great time for for batman comics and dc because at the same, right around the same time, you had Superman and the 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 Reign of the Superman. You had the whole uh, Kyle Radner Green Lantern and uh, the Emerald Twilight. You had uh, Connor Hawk coming in as Green Arrow. So you had a lot of a lot of reboots, a lot of uh, or not really reboots, but a lot of uh, reimaginations of these characters. And you had Marvel was really good at the time, and Image, and uh, it was just a really cool time. I loved it. I I couldn't wait every week to get to the comic shop and, and read these comics. I, as I said before, I was duped. I thought as bats, John Paul Valley was going to be Batman for the next 20 to 30 years. I really thought they were doing, I really thought it was like the golden age to the silver age where they revamped. you know, how, you know, instead of, uh, Alan Scott, it was Hal Jordan Green Lantern instead of Jay Garrick flash. It was, uh, uh, Barry Allen flash. I really thought that that's what they were doing with all their characters. I didn't realize that Jeff Johns, would take over and bring everything back and uh i didn't realize how, uh you know john paul's wasn't gonna last that long so I, I was i was duped i was a sucker but i was totally into it and uh buying all these issues and uh i still got them it's it's a it makes me panic though as i take them out to read them for the podcast i can't tell you how many times i've pulled them out of the uh, plastic bag and got tape on like the back of the issue yeah, like, <laughs> yeah oh that's just like the bane of my existence. But. Um, What's cool is I, I took a picture of all the, the Night Quest um, comics that I had and put on Facebook. And uh, one of our, for, uh, we got a, a cool group of people, not a very big group, but a cool group of people on Facebook uh, Ashton and uh, a couple of you, James, Andrew, Ian, Rich, they're always kind of commenting. Post up, but Travis, who came right away, wrote back. is like, "Hey, I have a letter in that issue, <laughs> issue six seventy-two of Detective Comics, and it was funny. We were teasing him on him, and he was like hey, hey I was like fifteen when I wrote it, or something.' So, um, yeah, I, I, I just loved it, the Night Quest. I just loved it, and it kind of made me like Big Man on Campus a little bit in the nerd circle because a lot of uh, people who were not comic book fans were were buying issues and getting in on it, and were very confused. So they'd come to me to be like, well, who yeah. is this? And what is that going on? And it's like, ah, I've got years and years of knowledge. Let me <laughs> tell you all about it here. So that Sit was down. my sort of... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sit down, Grasshopper. <laughs> Let me tell you about Detective Comics. Yeah. So that was my kind of Batman story. Ryan. Well,
3: obviously, I was I was really young when, when Nightfall and all that happened. But I was still uh, old enough to know what was happening in terms of, you know, Bruce Wayne being replaced. And, and that just, it's kind of still crazy to me to think that my, the first Batman I can remember in comics was Jean Paul Valley Batman, you know, and not, Bruce, not, not Bruce Wayne. Um, I never thought that it was going to last forever. I, I always felt, felt to me like this, you know, it was going to run its course at some point, but, um, and in terms of Night Quest itself, you know, Nightfall was pretty easy to follow the the narrative because they they did a really good job with the branding and had the transitioning uh, Batman logo then told you exactly what part it was. But for Night Quest, it was just like Night Quest or Crusade, Night Quest or Search, and it was no numbers, and it was just all in, in all these different titles. And so I obviously wasn't buying comics regularly as a kid. Um, I was just getting an issue here, an issue there, whenever my dad – took me to the store or something and at the grocery store or some somewhere. And I just picked up an issue just to keep up with it. So for the longest time, my, uh, you know, they didn't even reprint night, night quest at all. You know, and you would go, I remember finally, well, the first time I knew what the story was, was when I, as a kid, when I got the audio drama. So I actually knew the events of what happened. And then a few years after that, I got the, you know, at bookstores when they finally released the first editions of the, uh, uh, trade paperbacks so but even then it was it was nightfall and night's end and night quest was always missing so it was always this crazy gray area of like stories of of and i always wanted to go back and explore that because i really enjoyed the you know psychosis and uh, trying to get into that jean paul valley batman character and that's like at the heart of his story um which they finally reprinted a lot of it you know a few years ago in 2012 so it's been. I've, I just really enjoyed this period of comics, and it's it's going to be fun to go back and kind of explore this. And you know, one of these issues that we start is like the the last big thing that happens to kind of force the, the end of uh, Jean Paul's tenure as Batman. It sets it in motion. Yeah, I think for for me, uh, I was real excited
0: about you know Tim Drake getting his own book, but I think I've always been one of those once they take whoever the hero is out of the book. I'm instantly, like, I'm jumping shark, you know. Uh, well, we've jumped the shark, you know, I'm out of here. So I picked up, like, 501 and uh, just uh, some random other issues. I'm like, I'm not falling. This isn't Batman. This isn't going to last, you know. And uh, I thought, well, I'll read Robin, and I'll follow Bruce Wayne, and I'm not going to pay attention to this Asriel Batman. I, It, it better not last forever, or I'm going to be mad forever. <laughs> so... It wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't until this got reprinted, and I started listening to the radio drama. I was like, "This is actually pretty good." And then I started picking up issues here or there, and I'm like, "Oh, this was really good." And I had missed chunks of it. So it wasn't until Nights End started that I started jumping back, but I didn't get a chance to actually read everything uh, until I bought like a, a a big trade of it, and I thought, "Man, I kind of missed." Uh, it, an opportunity so um i was all about the search but i wasn't um that into the quest and um, i actually really like knight's quest and eating my words i was kind of yeah. wanting to see more jean paul and mm-hmm.
3: uh, i loved the asriel series so yeah I, afterwards and see that was that is what really started to get me is like after all this stuff they still kept asriel too yeah and hopefully, hopefully sometime this year uh somebody might start an Azreal podcast <laughs> that,
4: that, that'd be kind of cool i, I kind of
0: hope
3: that
4: happens yeah. <laughs> yeah i was gonna say that was one of my favorite things to look forward to in 2017 on the last podcast but i don't want to put pressure on anybody but i am looking oh, forward happening. to that yeah. oh
3: it's gonna happen i
4: promise um and then just think of the
3: branding though i just like nightfall night's quest and night's end you know the crusade and the search like it just it just keeps that maintains that like this is an event kind of thing and i just you know I just think it was brilliant, and I was thinking about this. This is issue five hundred eight. We're about to look at Batman five hundred eight, and it's like one of the like after this. I believe they get into Night's End. So when you really stop and think about it, in terms of like, I don't know how. I you guys can speak to this better than me, but did it feel like, oh my God, you know Jean Paul's Batman for so long? Like this has taken forever, or were you invested enough in the story where you went along with it?
0: I I was. I was into, like, it was enough that I was mad that he was yeah. Batman. And it made me even more invested. Like, okay, what what's, like, every issue. Is this the issue where he walks? Okay, is this the issue where he walks? And then you'd see him uh, get in the soup briefly and Alfred would tie him up to a post or something like that, you know. And then you start getting to, like, all right, maybe Bruce Wayne's never going to walk again. So by the time, you know, we hit you know, issue seven with Robin and Bruce is up walking around, that's where I, the things that I didn't like about Azriel were things that you you weren't supposed to like about Azrael, and then I found that really intriguing. But by the time we hit night's end, I, I was invested in the story. It it could have kept going. I think we've said it before, and the story just kept going. It we hit into Prodigal and things just kinda kept going. So like this omnibus could be huge. I mean, this story actually continues well into probably no man's land, like things from Nightfall are, are still ramifications are still happening that far in. So um, I, I was I was in for the ride. I wasn't like okay, I, I'm through with this whole night thing. Can can we wrap it up? I yeah. I, I wasn't tired of it at
3: all. What about you, Terrence? And, oh, eventually, and and Bane eventually comes back into yeah at,
4: the Asriel series too.
3: So go ahead, Terrence.
4: Yeah, you know I was reading it real time as it came out. And yeah. I remember thinking that it went too fast. Like really we're done with, you know, as bats already. Like I, I, I wanted same, same thing happened when Dick Grayson was Batman uh, on the grant Morrison run. Like it just, mm. I, I felt like they that pulled, felt like forever to me. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. I just felt like they, they just pulled the plug too too quick on it. So no, I didn't find it tedious at all. In fact, I thought they could have done even more with the character uh yeah. you know i do my one knock on it is when they first introduced john paul or jean paul um uh, he's really likable especially like those early batman issues when he's teaming up with uh, yeah. tim drake and all and then they they turned him into a psycho uh, really fast and sometimes i had a little trouble believing that this was the same Likable, you know, blonde haired, yeah. scraggy looking guy who was like I think he was working security at Wayne Tech, you know. Yeah. Uh but I, I understand it was more for the story. I do remember yeah. too, a lot of kid, like people who are around my age or so were reading it who had not been reading Batman and really liked the Azbats much better than Bruce Wayne. Weird. They were like, I like this guy. I like that. He's you know, and these were people who are reading like Wolverine and, and the yeah. Punisher and and used to their character. Kind of the point of it, I think. Right. I'm like, well, here's your Batman. That's violent, guys. Right. Uh, and even Lobo. I remember Lobo was like supposed to be a parody on uh, the ultraviolet uh, ultraviolet comics. And uh, Keith Griffin saying something like he was supposed to be a parody and then he became like the leader, the poster boy for it. Uh, uh-huh. So, yeah, you know, uh, I I had thought that they would have as bats as Batman for a long time, but continue to tell Bruce Wayne Batman stories in uh, Legends of the Dark Knight. So I totally misread it and I totally was was off. But what I really like, and and Rob knows this, is that they didn't just have one issue. Hey, uh, John Paul's Batman. No, now Bruce Wayne's Batman. They did the whole prodigal line and brought Bruce back kind of slowly. Yeah, I I thought that was a really good call. I I guess we'll talk about that in upcoming podcasts. But uh, yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah, well, the thing uh, the thing I'm looking at is, like, this is issue 508, and, like, the end of Nightfall was just, in, what, issue 500? <laughs> mm-hmm. So he was only really Batman, like, for, like, eight, you know, nine issues or something like that before they ended it. And when you compare it to some, I think a good comparison is um Super Heavy, you know, recently where you've had, you know, Jim Gordon in a robot Batman suit. And that lasted a year. That was, like, 10 or 11 issues. So that lasted that period of comic book time lasted longer than uh, longer than Azrael being Batman, which I find very interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I I think it it felt like it was longer because it's happening in Detective and uh, yeah Batman everything both so
4: yeah and you, Shadow of the Bat and Shadow and of the Bat too Let, yeah Legends of the Dark Knight cross in. And they've got some Catwoman and Robin, so it was a lot of books. that Justice had a League Task med- Force, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: So like e- e- even some of those, I, you know, it it seemed long, but like you're just looking at the the print number, like well, five hundred eight. Wow, we're we're ramping this up, and Bruce is back in you know a few weeks in the Robin title. So yeah, I've uh, I enjoy it now, but at the time I I didn't like it, and one of my favorite. Uh, Mattel DC Universe Classics figures is the Asbat Batman. I love, love that yeah. suit. And in playing, uh, Arkham Origins, I always switch to the Asriel <laughs> Batman Oh, suit. yeah, I do too. It's so cool. Uh, so, like we are saying, we are going to get into Batman here. So, again, uh, Happy New Year. We're probably into the month of February by now, so, uh, batman lego movies probably right around the corner but we're still recording in january so (laughs) welcome to robin everyone loves the drake and welcome to the show
1: I feel sick. What's the matter, my friend? have a donut. Sell his your stomach. You got a
2: tape on or something, Harvey? How you can eat in the room where five people have been butchered is beyond me. Hey, hey,
1: it's like the man says, and help me concentrate. Uh... And I need to figure out a way to nail this SOB abattoir before he strikes again.
2: So how come I never heard of this creep? Who is he?
1: Name's Kenyon Etchison. He's a serial killer. But he preys on his own family. The hmm? only thing is, as far as we know, these five were the last living relatives he had in common. So where he strikes next and who he chooses for a victim is anybody's guess. Well, we're not the only ones guessing, Sergeant. Look on the floor. What do you know? A little bat-shaped razor blade. Maybe he knows something we don't. Computer relay on. Computer patched into helmet circuits. This is Batman. I am in the Etchison family vault, Gotham Old Cemetery. Fresh footmarks in the dust and a fragment of bone. Scanning. Provide analysis.
2: Sample is not more than 24 hours old. Blood and bite marks still fresh. Blood and tissue type conforms to male victim of abattoir murder reported this morning. Breakdown. Calcium level... Run results
1: on genealogical check. Etchison family.
2: Check confirms existence of second cousin to abattoir named Graham Etchison working in Gotham City. Note, files recently accessed by third party matching abattoir description. Subject may be in danger.
1: Computer off.
2: Computer off. But the system remains remains with
1: you forever. Oh. St. Thomas forgive me why do you deny me by donning the mantle of the bat by upholding the tradition of a false father uh, Bruce Wayne helped me I- he was not my father your true
2: allegiance is to the brotherhood of the order of saint Dumas. you inherited my mantle upon your father's death you became the living Hasrael avenging angel you carry the seal of your ancestors handed down from your father
1: seal? he gave me no seal a sigil your inheritance cannot be fulfilled without it Without it without him. This it. Joe. He never gave me No 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 I am the Batman. And there is an innocent life at stake. Excellent work, Officer Montoya, thank but you, how did you figure that out? I remembered something in Abattoir's file about an uncle, small-time Hood. He's inside now on a fraud rap,
2: but city records indicated a child born out of wedlock to this guy, a Graham Etchison. Seemed likely it was the
1: same Graham Etchison who works at Dr. Tompkins' orphanage. Makes him Abattoir's cousin. And if Abattoir knows of his existence, he's the next victim. We're here. <laughs> Dr. Tompkins, a the pleasure Commissioner, to... thank God you are passing. I think Graham's been abducted. Computer, what commercial property might Abattoir be using to hold his cousin?
2: No properties listed to serial killer under name Abattoir or real name Etchison.
1: What about his first name, Kenyon?
2: Two entries. One, Kenyon Heating Systems Complex at North Shore Gotham, established 1939. Two, abandoned warehouse, formerly A-1 Salvage, 1312 Tennyson Street. Registered to name E. Kenyon three weeks after Arkham Asylum breakout. That's just Kenyon.
1: The arrogant fool merely turned his name around. How long till we arrive at the warehouse?
2: ETA at Tennyson Street, 15 minutes. ETA at Tennyson Street, 15 minutes. Computer off. Computer off. Computer off. John Paul's the Batman now. Says he doesn't need a Robin. He'd go crazy if he knew I was helping him. But the Batcave computer is still damaged after Bruce's fight with Bane. And, as I'm nearer that warehouse than he is, I may just beat him to it. In the
0: days when this warehouse
2: was used for salvaging trash paper, dear cousin, this
1: little gadget was used to compress the pulp into bales for shipping. And mm. although the process may take a little time, mm. it will suffice to fulfill my task of extinguishing the miserable existence dynasty and pulp you mm. to get visitors. Looks
2: like I'll be forced to accelerate your device. Whew. Jean-Paul beat me to it. But why is he climbing the fire escape if Avatar is inside? Oh, Avatar is making a getaway over that room.
1: No, no, mustn't be stopped. Ah! Oh!
2: Uh, Batman, did you make sure Graham Edgson was safe? Go away, Robin. Sly and
1: self. Oh. Oh. No, no. Batman, you're backing him towards the... skylight. Me. Pull me up, Batman. I can't hang on much longer. He's hanging over a sheer drop by his fingertips. You are Asriel, the
2: avenging angel. You will punish the
1: transgressors. You are Asriel, the avenging angel. You will punish the transgressors. No, I am Batman. I don't know. I don't know. Grab him, Batman. He's slipping. I know. I stopped him. I stopped him. Graham,
2: <laughs> God, what have you done? The white zone is for immediate loading and unloading of passengers. Tim! Somebody. Timothy, he's over here! Son? Dad? Dad! Dad! Ah. Oh. You look great.
1: I should hope so, after spending time in the best hospitals in Europe. (laughs) New wheelchair, too. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. All paid for by some character called Sir Hemingford Gray. (sighs) Seems he was also responsible for freeing me from those kidnappers. I wish I could have met him. The taxi's waiting, Mr. Drake. You'll have time to talk to Tim later. He'll need to be on his way to school, though, soon. (laughs) Lead on, Mrs. Mack. See you later, Tim. Sure, Dad. Wait a minute. No, but...
2: Hey, mister, turn around. Uh, excuse me, are you... Hello, it him. Bruce, it was you, wasn't it? You did it. You were the hemming from Guy Who Saved Dad. Did you turn on the same flight?
1: No, I've been overseas for some months recuperating. But I wanted to make sure he got back to Gotham okay. And to see if you were still in one piece. Boy,
2: do we need to talk. But Hold it. I've only just realized, you're, you're walking.
1: I'm cured. My back's as good as new, but, uh, but a terrible price was paid to achieve that.
2: But that means you can, you know, you can be Batman
1: again. No, Tim. I've retired, and I've never felt better about a decision in my life. Come on, I'll show you why. I know you're not Batman. Not the one who's looked out for this city. Not the one I know. What makes you so sure, Commissioner? You let Abattoir's victim die in that ghastly piece of machinery. And through your inaction, you as good as executed Abattoir before he could be brought to trial. Abattoir's luck ran out. How many more do you think he'd have killed? We have a system of law, mister. Which the Batman has always worked outside of. I will carry on that crusade as I see fit. you kill again. I won't commit murder, Commissioner Gordon. (laughs) Damn, damn, damn. Bruce, you came to see Chandra. And Tim is here, too. Here, have some tea. (laughs) Careful, the cups are hot.
2: Bruce, there's nothing in the cup.
1: Benedict Asp was directing a blast of negative mental power aimed at killing me, reversing Chandra's natural healing abilities. She simply refocused her thoughts, made them destructive, killing him. But through the reversal process, curing me when I came to my back was whole again but Chandra had regressed to infancy
2: it's time for your breakfast Miss Chandra oh nurse says I gotta go Bruce will you come again real soon and visit with me
3: will you bring me a present
1: you know I will Chandra be a good girl now
3: twinkle, twinkle
1: twinkle I want to spend the rest of my life helping her and others like her
2: Bruce I understand but there's something you should know before you commit to that will you drive me back via Wayne Manor
1: of course Tim but I warn you, that's a part of my life I've left behind. Wayne Manor, a virtual ruin. Alfred resigned. Everything fallen apart.
2: Jean Paul lives in the Batcave full-time now. Like I told you, he's gone totally weird. Not that I've seen him since the Abattoir episode. He
1: killed Abattoir?
2: Well, he allowed him to die.
1: I thought I left things in capable hands. You say he sealed the cave. I'll get the sledgehammers. Here you are, Bruce.
2: The back cave.
1: Paul? Oh, he hasn't even cleared away the damage from my fight with Bane.
2: What's this? Yuck. We old canned food. Wash
1: Here, Look at you. Look at what you've become. A monster. The
2: bat suit's new. Looks like every joint is servo-assisted. The gloves fire little bat-shaped blades, and the claws are razor-sharp. But that can't be a
1: flame throw nozzle. Or can it? You have a valid reason for coming here. I do now. I'm taking back the mantle of the bat before you spill more blood on it. You don't deserve it. You never did. You left me a city to protect. I did as I saw fit. How many lives might have been spared if you had taken such a stand against animals like Abattoir or the Joker or Bane? Maybe it's you who never deserved to wear this cowl, Wayne. That doesn't. You won't take me down with your fists, Wayne. I am the Batman. I will be the Batman, and no one safe or demo, can take it from me. Door open. Don't be here when I get back. Bruce, you're bleeding. Uh, But I'm not ready to take them on. Physically, I'm in perfect health, but the reflexes are shot. The physical memory is gone.
2: But it took years to condition yourself, Bruce. How can you get back to 100% in time to take on Paul?
1: Crash course. Intensive training at the hands of a master. The Lady Shiva. Lady
0: Shiva? Wow. Sounds more like a one-way ticket to hell. So, uh, that was the audio drama, and I I love the audio drama. I know, uh, Ryan, you said you had it. Uh, Terrence, had you ever heard it before the podcast? Did you ever have a copy of the audio drama or uh, was it just through this that you were uh, made aware of it uh
4: no i I'd, I'd never heard of it before until the podcast so uh i think it was on was it on in england was that where it was or yeah like
0: the bbc uh yeah production company had done it they had done some other ones and i went into like a walden's books if anybody rem- remembers those books and it was like right on the front shelf right next to um the uh, novel so i bought the novel and then the um radio drama and i had always tried to like read i thought it was like a companion thing like oh you can read the book or you can have it like a book on tape and they don't quite match up but i remember enjoying the novel and then listening to the uh, radio drama and i would listen to it in my car and i'd be like driving you know to class or something like that and i would have it up loud and i'd be beside another car and somebody would look over like like oh <laughs> like what do you listen to so i turn it down real quick like almost as if i was if i was listening to rap or something i shouldn't be listening <laughs> yeah. to so uh I'm like oh i'm just listening to uh, you know WJR out of Detroit you know just a, it's a baseball recap yeah <laughs> <Is that> right? <laughs> right. <laughs> um so uh batman 508 this was like for the podcast really trying to follow tim drake here and this is a big thing that tim witnesses in this book with uh, Azrael, as that's uh, Batman but trying to find the entry point of like where to get in I felt like we could have gone back a couple other um, issues because Azrael's is really starting to come unwound here and uh, he's really focused in on uh, his mission and what he needs to do and is realizing uh, even as far as you know the, the opening page. Now, first of all, let's let's talk about the cover here. I always gloss right over the covers. Uh, we see abattoir hung over the uh, uh, the the smelting uh, pit right there. With uh, uh, this is a Kelly Jones cover. Mm-hmm. Am I correct in saying that? Yes. Uh, yes. I, I always thought it. He did a really good job of making Kelly Jones look very menacing and very bulky and very huge. Um, even though he would kind of do that with everybody else, it re- really made you feel the brutality of this Batman, and you could see that he's holding on to the railing like he's not reaching out a hand to try and hold him. He's not throwing him a bat line, so he's got a clear image of like how this Batman operates. What do you guys think of the cover for five hundred eight? Ryan,
3: uh, okay, sorry. Oh yeah, I mean it's just. As a kid, you look. I looked at these covers and I'm just like, what is happening? And, and it's hard to it's hard to tell just because I'm like, well, is this guy about to fall into this vat of stuff? Like, and but I always enjoy seeing um you know Kelly Jones' interpretation of of these things. And you just see the I just love always love his um you know Azrael Batman just kind of lurking there in the background. And you know you're just like, who is this guy? And what's Batman doing? And it just it's always cool. It's always a treat to see these Kelly Jones covers.
4: Terrence yeah you know I've I really enjoyed Kelly Jones's covers um, the whole nightfall night quest this one though is probably one of my least favorites I don't there's nothing about it that I really dislike it just doesn't grab me like some of the other ones it's kind of I don't know asbat's the head looks a little too small for the shoulders although his bodies are always exaggerated but it, it, it I don't know it, it's it's cool it's not bad it just if you if I were to start ranking the Kelly Jones covers, this would probably not be high up on the list. Uh, but I can't I can't tell you a reason why I don't like it. But it just never grabbed me like some of the others. Now I don't know about Ryan, but I'm
0: uh, reading mine out of the uh, new trade. Um, I should say it's new. It's 2012, um, so I don't have any of the ads or. Um, the page numbers are going to be all off. I'm looking at 561, mm. which I know. Yeah. yeah. Looking at the single issues, you're like, 561, what book are you reading out of? So, uh, if I happen to miss something, else, you guys can, uh, let me know. I'm not sure what you guys are reading yours out of. Yeah. I've got the hard copies. Yeah. Um, something I noticed in the first page that I've never noticed this till now, right under the green box or somewhere in the darkest night, a Gunhawk. Is that the Prince logo? There, uh, like a quasi version of Prince, because I'm trying to think, did he, oh, <laughs> did he change? I don't think so. I, I, no. It's probably just dumb luck. I don't think he did that till the latter part of the '90s. But it's like every now and then, I would started looking. You know, they would have like Brayfogle Street or Alan Grant Way or something like that. So I started paying attention after a while of like reading signs or graffiti, and I just. I notice this right now. I'm like, is that supposed to be their version of Prince? Probably not, but it looks pretty darn close. So maybe Prince was a a Batman fan after all, and that's why he came up with that logo. He's like, well, in in, uh, issue 508, there's this cool thing. That's my new name
4: now. So, hey, Rob, sorry to interrupt, but I checked the Internet, which is never wrong. (laughs) And it says that um, Prince changed his name to the love symbol in 1993 and these books came out in 1994. So I think you are correct. I think that was their version of the print symbol.
0: Thank you. I'm out. I'm pulling a Costanza. Leave on a high <laughs> yeah. note. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I, I I, finally got something right. Woohoo. Um, but seeing the. Ba- I like this Batmobile. This is the Norm Breyfogle yeah. Batmobile, if I remember correctly. I think it's, he's the yeah, one that kind of uh, created it. Um, just kind of seeing uh, if you're coming into the story. Um, this uh, killer named Abattoir is going around, and this is kind of a unique way for a killer to operate. He's only killing members of his family, so like eventually he's going to run out of family members, and I'm not sure exactly what he's going to do next. So I thought it was kind of interesting, and they're having to... Uh, Jean-Paul's on the case, but Tim's also finding out about it. You kind of go back and forth between the two. Of He's getting down to like cousins that uh, he's going after, and uh, Jean-Paul's, like, on this mission of, like, he's going to get there, not going to let anything stop him, so much so that he's really not breaking for anything, like, including trash cans, and he's driving 65 miles an hour, and even the street walkers on, on the road, which I don't know if it's necessarily a bad thing, but he's about plowing them over as something that is that Batman wouldn't do, wouldn't risk the lives of anybody on the streets of of Gotham but he is so one track minded on what he has to do and is realizing from his previous encounters with everybody up to this point that he was kind of working like how Batman should but he's realizing that maybe I need to take steps farther like the last time he uh, fought up against uh, Abattoir he went after and saved the kids first but if He kind of would have let them go. He could have saved more lives by getting him. So uh, just in these opening few uh, panels here and just kind of going back a little bit in the story, uh, what are you guys' thoughts of uh, just Jean-Paul's recklessness and just how he's operating here in these first few pages? uh, Terrence?
4: Yeah, it's kind of funny because if you read Enough Batman and watched Enough Batman, they're trying to make – you know, the the comparison between how out of control and crazy Jean-Paul is compared to Bruce. But if like if you've read enough Batman, you can say like, well, I remember a time Bruce did that. I remember <laughs> yeah. a time Bruce was driving crazy. I remember in Batman Forever, he almost hit an old lady with a shopping cart. But luckily, it turned <laughs> out to be Two-Face, you know, like so. Yeah, it, it, it you know, that's my hang up, though. Uh, but yeah, I, I think the writers, it was a good writing team by professional comic book writers who, who this was their job. They weren't doing anything other than that um, with a great editor, Denny O'Neill. And they really took their time to show you like the characterization of Asbats is just, Going out of control, and they were doing it like little by little by little, and not just like, "Oh, let's just have him normal and then just do one big thing and where he just goes crazy and kills a bunch of people or something yeah. it, I, I so I thought it was really good how they they took their time and just had little by little by little by little,
3: right and and speaking of that, i, I just like how his suit and what he does with the bat cave and the and the batmobile and stuff kind of echoes his his you know fracturing you know psyche. You know, he keeps making the suit more, you know, intense and more violent and dangerous and all that. And, you know, uh, after this issue, I think, is when the suit changes even more when he gets the red suit and all that. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah. And the, the other thing that uh, I started to instantly notice reading this issue overall is that, you know, the way it's written is it's got this instead of just hearing uh, Jean Paul Batman talk and say things like it's more of an internal monologue, or or not even that it's more of a just a omniscient narrator describing the scenes, you know. And I think that it seems it feels to me like that's pretty intentional. I, I think it's kind of trying to do uh, provide a disconnect between Jean Paul and the reader. You know, it keeps it keeps this version of Batman cold and distant. You know. Yeah. Uh, so much so that it's even echoed in a few pages that
0: uh, Jean Paul's made it clear he does not need or want Robin to the fact where Tim's like, "Well, forget it. I- I'm going out anyway. And if I have to inadvertently help you to save somebody, I'm I'm going to."
4: Yeah, they do a really great job in all the books with the narration, and it's it's. I, I heard somebody the other day mention like they loved there's a woman on youtube and she said i I love 90s dc comics and she looked like she was like maybe like in her early 20s so this is you know like ancient history stuff for her but (laughs) she said she loved 90s dc comics because they dealt with serious issues but didn't go too grim and dark and and gritty all the time and i thought that was pretty accurate and the narration is kind of like that like it it it's third person but yet it talks a lot about john paul's feelings but yet the tone of it it could almost have been like the the words he uses like here on the second page he loathes this city you know with scavengers and so like the the vocabulary and the tone is very much probably what john paul's going through but yet it's disconnected and above him uh and a couple times it it refers to tim drake as the boy it's like this is why he sent the boy away and stuff so yeah it's it's pretty awesome do you get that
0: it it almost might be the system talking or maybe it's just Mm. like you said omnipotent you know third third party talking but as much battling as he's having with the system i kind of got a vibe maybe it this is our peek into what the system is in his head. Like it's his it's, thoughts in his head, but the system's doing the talking.
3: It's certainly reminiscent of the way that the audio drama would frame things. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, I, a lot of the times I think the audio drama would say stuff that it, in the way that it did because it's an audio drama and they need to spell things out more literally to huh. describe scenes. But, but he would – Jean-Paul would say things like that in the audio drama where he's just like – you know, oh, there's only one person left, and the Batman needs to save him, and, you know, stuff like that, where he's just like very, you know, he talks in the third person almost, like the quest is almost complete, and stuff like that. And so I think that's kind of a good comparison. Uh,
0: what'd you guys think of. Um, uh, I, w- I want to say Avatar. Avatar's uh, death trap for his cousin, uh, Graham Etcheson here. Uh, this is a watch my words carefully a nifty device that like like whoa what rob what are you into but like the whole the whole bed of nails and the the passage of time is allowing these weights to come down on him i thought man what a horrible way to go and just even the things that he is saying and, and knowing like this is a family member like we just came out of christmas i couldn't imagine you know a, a cousin of mine like doing something like this to me like we just we just had Christmas. Like, what is the deal, you know? Uh, that's probably even got to be scarier when it's somebody you actually know and that this is the device that they're choosing. Um, it's, uh, like you said, that a lady had said on YouTube that they can be grim when it needs to be and lighter when it needs to be. This is, like, almost straight-up horror uh, right here, and uh, we find out later it's not doesn't exactly end quite well. But
3: uh, just your thoughts on yeah. this. Um, well, when you think... When you, uh, As a kid, I, when I first heard the, the audio drama, I even kind of was like, man, this is dark because you think of like villains and their shtick, you know, like, oh, Scarecrow, he uses fear gas and the Joker, he's got jokes and the Riddler, this and Catwoman, that. And then you're like, Abattoir, what does he do? He
4: kills his own family members. I'm like, oh, well, well that's not very fun. <laughs> Terrence. Now, see, I could totally see you doing this to a cousin or something, Rob. Like I, it's <laughs> right. Christmas morning. And your cousin is like, hey, hey, Rob, I know you really like Batman. So you want to play Batman? <laughs> yeah, so I, I got you this, and, and you open the package, and it's like an Iron Man figure. And you're just like, oh, get on this bed of nails here. Now, uh, yeah, you know what? I, I, you, it's funny you mentioned the name Abattoir, and I, I wish I could go back and find my 1994 self and ask while I was reading the comic, like, "What, what, what did you think this was? Because I remember, I think – when did a uh, Watchmen come Watchmen. out? Watchmen, yeah, I think of Watchmen. 2000, yeah. It came out at like oh, three or oh, four or five. I remember the dates were sequential. Whenever Watchmen came out, that's when I actually read that was Watchmen. The 80s. Watchmen was in the 80s. No, no, I'm sorry, the movie, the movie, not oh. the.
3: Oh, the movie. But yeah, that was uh, 19. I'm uh, not 19. That was like 2009. 96. 2009
4: was it? Seven, eight, nine. I remember the date like the day month and year were sequential but i can't remember uh
3: 2009 march 6 2009 is when it came out
4: oh three six nine that's what it was they were multiples of each other that's right um but anyway so uh uh rorschach has the uh i almost said horshack but that's welcome back carter carter <laughs>
3: uh, welcome <laughs> back
4: carter. carter mr carter um oh. <laughs> yeah but anyway he has a line where he mentions an, an abattoir full of retarded children and i i was i was like what's an abattoir and I, I had to look it up and find out it was like a slaughterhouse and i'm like oh my gosh that's that's really dark but uh so, I know when I read this the first time, I had no idea. I guess I just thought that was his name or something. I don't know, but um I don't know, what was Rob's question about would I do this to a family member? yeah, sure if they <laughs> if they gave me the wrong, <laughs> yeah, no, no, it is pretty dark and twisted uh and actually, when I read it, I thought, okay, well, this is a trap. I see it's a clock and the weights, and it's set up that you know Batman will rescue him, or if not Batman, you know Tim Drake will get him just in time, and spoilers, um, yeah, no <laughs> yeah. Now this is a
0: question odd thing that I have. Uh, the next page is Tim in the Batcave. When we fast forward to seven, I'm not trying to get ahead, Tim yeah. tells Bruce that the Batcave is all sealed up and they have to break and get in. How did Tim yeah. get in here?
3: Yeah, I <laughs> was wondering that. That's that I made a note about that where like Tim is like in the change cave using the back computer to help and stuff, and I'm like, Whoa, whoa, I thought that he sealed the cave up and you're right the next issue they break into the cave so it's very confusing
0: because i was thinking you don't need the sledgehammer because i gotta use the computer like four issues back
4: (laughs) yeah yeah if you read batman 668 which is what leads directly into issue one um tim sees that the the tunnel to his uh from his house to wayne manor is sealed up but he says that he knows about a shaft that John Paul doesn't know about. And he there's like images of him descending in a rope and getting into the bat cave. And that's where yeah. him and Azbats has their big struggle. And that um, leads to right into Robin number one. Um, and I think he was going in there to get the red bird which oddly enough in that issue it also talks about how he gets a a special license to drive because his dad was handicapped and i think we had mentioned that talking about was he old enough to drive in one of the issues um so my only guess is that the cave wasn't sealed up that shaft was still available at that time um but then he also says later on in robin number seven that um when when um Bruce looks at the Batmobile. Uh, he, he says, "Oh yeah, Asbats doesn't really use that anymore. He has found it some other way." But yet in this issue, all it, he's, he's using the Batmobile. Batmobile. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah.
3: he's, got the, he's got the train, the train thing. So yeah, that is some weird continuity stuff. Well, yeah. now now I'm thinking about it. I think I answered my own question.
0: Tim has to. We're gonna. Uh, we're jumping right into seven, and I don't mean to do this, but Tim takes Bruce to Wayne Manor. So they're actually using the sledgeham sledgehammer in Wayne Manor at the grandfather clock like that's the entrance it wasn't like Tim said whoa whoa, whoa wait I've got this shaft we can go down Bruce is probably like screw it I'm using my own entrance so maybe maybe that's that's how it is they're just smashing a entrance to get in and Tim used his little shaft to get in here so I didn't mean to derail us down that rabbit hole but I'm, now that I think once we get there I think we'll we'll see that
4: Hey, while we're in this rabbit hole, uh, they always seem to make a mention um, whenever they were talking about the Bat Cave, they would always mention that it was a Cray. The Cray computers? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I looked it up, because I remember Cray computers back in the 90s, like, and I remember uh, Industrial Light and Magic had one that they named Jabba and um apparently Cray Computers went out of they went bankrupt and then it was named after the founder i think Robert Cray if i remember that and he died in a car accident in 1995 and that was kind of the end of Cray Computers but if i'm reading it right most of the the computers um the supercomputers it's all about the speed but if i'm reading it right i believe the the Cray supercomputer at that time had 128 gigabytes of memory and now you can get a flash drive with that much memory or a <laughs> (laughs) little card for your you know a little SD card for your phone so it's pretty crazy what happens in you know 25 years or so yeah and to know for that
0: much gigabytes how large that is like the the Bat computer now would probably be the size of, like, a, a four-inch monitor.
4: Oh, so I always remember there's an episode of The Simpsons one time where Homer's, like, taking a crowbar to a Cray computer. He's like, damn, you supercomputer, and he hits it, and it says Cray on it. And I'm like, that's the same as the Bat cave. I was like, like, yeah, my ultimate geek moment where, um, you know, Simpsons, Batman, and computer knowledge converging. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Now, speaking of which, this is this is kind of totally off topic, too, but about technology and things showing up in books, like, it almost, like, here it's not so bad because, okay, a computer, that's a thing, but, like, in this, one of these latest uh, issues of Justice League and Rebirth, I was so, like, this is terrible because it was, like, Batman, it was, like, the Justice League and there was a kid and they had, they had to, like, retrieve an iPad, you yeah. know, <laughs> and they were doing, and they, like, they mentioned like, iPads and, you know, certain websites, like, all these, v- like, very specific real-world things. And I'm like, it's just kind of weird where it's like, – I'm like, can't you just call it, like, tablet or digital tablet or computer or something? Like, I'm like, just watching – reading Batman. I don't – hearing Batman and all them t- try to retrieve an iPad, I'm just like, well, that's just kind of weird. I don't like that.
0: Yeah, and that, that'll that instantly date it, like, yeah, the way technology moves, like, 10 years from now. Like, iPad, geez, what was that, 2017? Yeah.
3: Yes, yeah, like it's like oh, all quick Robin, get on to the, the get yeah. get, the,
4: get your Walkman out, Robin. Yeah, get off your Walkman and get on the Commodore 64 so we can <laughs> break this.
0: We case. gotta get yeah. we gotta get the stolen laser discs. <laughs> yeah. Now what you're gonna need to do is get a pencil and put it in your cassette tape and turn yeah. it. Even though that felt is gone, we can still rewind the tape.
3: Yeah. <laughs> well, no, it's like remember like early wasn't it in was it Robin number one where he had this like crazy contraption in his utility belt where he had to like plug it into the, the payphone the, the payphone yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like we have this thing now called a cell phone where you don't have to do any of that crap <laughs> this is pretty interesting
0: there's not much going on here other than uh robin uh figuring out where uh, graham etchison's uh like uh, the warehouse will be um and kind of paralleling that uh to that Jean paul has already found it and he's moving uh quickly that we've already said to that warehouse but i like how uh, Robin's just going through the paces and figuring all that out and uh, just showing off that he's a smarty pants. Not not really a smarty pants, but I just like that out of Robin that um, when they're explaining, like Batman and Robin just don't show up and you get it as a quick dialogue, I like to actually see the characters figuring it out and you're going, oh, okay, and even down as far as looking at the computer screen that Robin's looking at, you can kind of read for yourself, you know, the abandoned warehouse. And even when they're giving addresses, it kind of makes things seem more real. And then seeing with Jean-Paul using his little little bat thumbtack, like he just shot a razor blade (laughs) right into like, I need to tack this into the wall. (laughs) Just jammed it. It's
3: it's kind of awesome of how like, you know, high tech, all of his other stuff is. And he just like wrote this stuff down on a paper, just like jam. And I'm like surprised, like, that the is not more ripped up, you know, how could he handle writing all that stuff down without ripping to shreds with his <laughs> yeah. little, you know, gauntlets?
0: That's the first thing I thought about. Like, Tim's looking at a computer screen, and you know very well the Batmobile has a computer screen. No, I got out a black Sharpie and wrote it, and, uh, well, I'll use my gauntlet and just fire a <laughs> razor blade right into the <laughs> dashboard, because it's my car. I do what I want. <laughs> it's been a while since I read... Uh, Knight, Night's Quest in, in full. Is there an actual encounter with uh, Abattoir with the kids, or is this just something that's put in there? Am I am I missing that, or did this, this actually happen earlier in uh, Knight's Quest? Five oh five. Batman
4: five oh five. Yeah,
0: it's it's been a while since I have read it.
4: Yeah, I got it right here in front of me. That's how. Yeah, Batman five oh five. So this
0: is is this yeah five oh eight. So we're at three issues later. Which all right, that's that's pretty cool. I think like it's the one thing that we were talking about. There's really no chronological order. Like you know, it's not like Night's Quest Part One, Night's Quest Part Two. Like both Detective and uh, Batman are kind of telling their own stories, but then in certain instances they kind of drop little things back and forth that kind of tie yeah. things together. So trying to figure out exactly yeah. what events are happening. I think they yeah, the best
3: the best you can do is is read them in the order they were released really.
0: Yeah. And I think that's how the the trade put them out is like when they came out unless it's like okay, well Batman's telling this 3 issue story arc, so we'll do these 3 stories and then we'll do Shadow and then we'll do one from Detective and kind of bounce back and forth. So if you're trying to follow along at at home and it sounds like we're not really sure where things are going, it's because we're not really sure cuz I think they were trying to get as much Azrael as bat stories as they could um, it just it seems odd that they just didn't tell one one long story the fight with abattoir moves pretty quick and tim ends up showing up here he arrives shortly after jean paul does makes makes notice that batman is chasing abattoir back into the uh, foundry and tim is realizing that there's there's a shift that's working like he is Chasing Abattoir back into a full building full of hostages, not hostages of, of workers, rather than diverting him another direction. So Tim is realizing he's got to move a lot quicker. I, I was going to ask, are you guys surprised by Jean Paul's reaction to not try and divert uh, Abattoir away from? No, <laughs> yeah, but it's it's clearly in in his in his mindset that he he doesn't care about anything. Other than getting hold of Avatar, and even as far as you know, he's wielding a, a knife and probably cuts this guy's nose off or the side of his head. It's like Batman's not stopping to to catch him really quick and ask him if he's okay, and then track him down. He's just moving full steam ahead and firing you know his razor blades at uh, Avatar and just going full all out. Kind of getting the feeling that I think he's actually going to kill this guy did you by the time that this fight reaches its climax they're on top of the uh, like the the smelting pit did you think that he was going to fire the line and save him or pull him off the edge or i guess my main question is did you think he was going to end up killing him physically
3: or was he going to just let him fall oh what i was going to say is you are you kind of wonder because on page 15 of the book that i've got it's You know they're confronting each other in uh, (laughs) at the top of this boundary, and it's funny. It kind of remind. Have you guys seen uh, Fast and Furious Seven? Furious Seven? No. There's a battle at the end of that movie, and it reminds me a lot of that, where they like. The main characters fight each other with like giant wrenches, and it's kind of, it's kind of funny that Avatar just has this giant wrench like that's gonna do something, but but Batman has this line where he he's like you know it won't matter you're already dead so it makes me think like well what's he what's he planning on doing here is is he gonna try was was he thinking about killing him and then he had a uh, started to second guess it once he saw started to see visions but what do you think Terrence
4: well it's funny too because we just watched Armageddon last night where Bruce Willis uses that giant wrench around that guy's neck. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) And it must be a theme um you know oddly enough i cannot remember when i first read this what i thought the action moves pretty fast so it doesn't give you a lot of time to to think on it unless you pause um i actually read robin number seven first this week and then in that he says he just stood there and watched as abattoir died so i kind of as i read this again i kind of it was a spoiled a little bit, so I, I, I kind of knew what was going to happen. The funny thing is, though, I don't I don't feel like Jean-Paul actually made a decision to let him die. I felt like he was just so overwhelmed by the system that he just yeah. lost his mind and just wasn't thinking clearly. It wasn't like a rational, calm decision of I'm going to let you die kind of like what bruce wayne did at the end of batman begins when he let rajah gul die on the train so it's kind of like i'm thinking like well i've seen batman do this before where he just let yeah. someone die didn't save well, him so you know,
3: but- it, it, well you get it to compare that like batman makes a choice to do that in like batman mm-hmm. begins but here i think the uh the Nightfall audio drama does a really good job of, of dramatizing this where he hears the voices and jean Paul's just like, I don't know, I don't know. And then, and then at the same t- time, he's like having that conflict is when Abattoir, you know, falls and dies. And I actually think, I don't know if we want to get into this. Well, I guess we can. I actually think the audio drama does this better because, uh, than the book, because in the audio drama, you know, Jean-Paul's like, I don't know, I don't know. And then, Abattoir dies, but then right after that is when you hear Graham Anchison also die. Like the the, the contraption like yeah. finally kills him at the same time, so so Jean Paul's kind of indirectly responsible for two deaths. And in the book what happens is he's Robin and Batman see Abattoir die, but then the book says two hours later, you know, and then he's Jean Paul's still conflicted, and then it shows Graham Anchison <laughs> dying. I'm like, wait a so Batman and Robin both didn't think to go back to see you know, Graham, to go get Graham Etchison, because he was right there in the same, you yeah. know, facility or whatever, and not, neither of them went back to check. So I think that's kind of a poor oversight, and I think that the uh, the audio drama did a better job of, like, showing that they but they ran out of time, like, immediately. And yeah. it kind of makes Robin look bad, too, because Robin could have gone back and saved Graham Etchison. But. And they they were both going, I you could argue the fact that, okay,
0: Uh, Batman is only going to where Graham Etchison is because that's where Avatar is. Yeah. But Tim is going there like, okay, Batman must be going to save Graham Etchison so you would have thought that would have been Tim's first instinct but having Batman chase Avatar into the factory Tim probably would have thought, oh that's that's where they're going so I, I can kind of forgive Tim that he's getting caught up in in the moment of what's going on and he's just following the person ahead of him as opposed to Batman being blinded by just the rage with the system. Yeah. So it's the
3: the two, it's the two hour later thing that gets me. I'm like, Oh wait, they had two whole hours. I'm like, they could have fixed that by then. But yeah, yeah, definitely. I I do
0: agree. The uh, radio drama does do a a lot better job of making him seem like there's, there's no time.
4: And you know, what's good is Tim Drake's reaction in the comics is really good of the horror yeah. of it. And the thing too, I'll say this, I know I said the Batman begin things that was kind of, um, tongue in cheek, tongue in cheek. Um, the Batman from the ninth, Bruce Wayne, Batman from the nineties comics, who was working with Tim Drake, wouldn't have let Abattoir fall. You know, that Batman wouldn't have done that. He would have tried to save him, especially if Tim was there and seeing it. So for that part, I think it is a good, um, uh, difference between Paul, uh, Jean-Paul yeah. and Bruce and then for Jean-Paul to go back to the cave and still be affected and be grabbing his head and screaming no shows you that it's he's not making rational decisions. He's just overwhelmed by what's going on. So, uh,
0: A question I had for you, Ryan, being that this was your first Batman that you're reading, I don't know like when you read this story did... Were you affected like oh no like my my Batman inadvertently killed somebody or it, he's unraveling like did did that do anything to you being a fan of the character at all? Well, the
3: thing for me is that it's I for, I really want when I really experienced the full picture of the story it was in one complete telling like with the audio drama and everything so I got to see it kind of play out and see and it's more about the redemption of Jean-Paul and the fact that he um was able to, to finally kind of over in, in some regards overcome you know that control um of the system over himself and then eventually gets to be his own man and Azrael later and i think that they did kind of skirt the line very well um he's not he he ends up not being a, like the punisher somebody that's so irredeemable that he is just going to kill people but uh but in but the fact that his indecision and you know did does uh cause people to die it kind of it, it it's it's a it's a difference enough from what the true batman would do that it's it's it brings up a good a good point but it's it's one of those things that doesn't make me instantly like not like the character anymore because that's kind of built into him as hell you know yeah. the struggle he has but with the with the system and all that kind of stuff now i know we're not
0: we're not covering the next chronological issue that happens in uh shadow of the bat number 28 the crusade which i believe terrence you're going to be looking at the crusade as a whole over on the youtube channel is that correct
4: yeah i'm going to try to do kind of like how luke kind of does his comic book reviews uh just kind of kind of like sort of a one take kind of vlog uh and just kind of try to do every issue uh in the whole night quest crusade and search and maybe even nights End, just kind of uh you know like a five minute little recap what my thoughts were so if you don't have the issue or you don't feel like digging out the issue through like 18 long boxes or something like that uh and just for myself rereading all these just uh you know just something a little fun so yeah so uh, if you check out the youtube channel which uh we we still need a few more subscribers to to give it a name but uh it's uh you can also get through, it through Facebook. I'll, I'll put a link on our, our Facebook when the new videos pop up and just kind of do a, like a little recap of all the issues. Um, only because I'm reading this out of the trade, I'm flipping through to get to
0: Robin 7. Uh, the only part I'm going to touch on is uh, Batman and Commissioner Gordon talking on the rooftop. And Gordon has about had it and goes to punch. Batman and Azrael moves out of the way, and Gordon is <laughs> falling over the rooftop, and Gordon – Uh, Batman catches him, only because this parallels Graham Metchison, or uh, Abattoir, Mm -hmm. hanging from there, like, even though we were just saying that he's, you know, uh, conflicted by everything that's going on with the system and couldn't save him, uh, I remember reading that particular issue and going, holy crap, he's going to let Gordon die, and then, you know, he kind of catches him, so it was only just because I flipped, so I'll be kind of curious to hear your your take on it when you uh, get to that point. Yeah, you got it. Um, So, we're going right into Robin seven, the conclusion. We're kind of skipping over, uh, a few issues here. Like I, what Terrence and I just said, if you want to kind of hear the, everyone loves a Drake take on it, that'll be over, over at the, uh, YouTube channel, but we're moving on to Robin number seven night quest. The conclusion, uh, I love, I love this cover. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Tom Gromit can just do no wrong in this uh, issue format, and I love this color. Or er, color, uh, this cover um, at the end of the last uh, issue, which I'm trying to look, uh, is where Azrael uh, adopts his new part of the costume, and that is uh, Batman or uh, Detective Comics 875, where he has now the razor blade cape. So we see Bruce uh, trying to punch as and uh, Tim is kind of in the middle of the two of them. I don't know if he's trying to break up a fight or both of them are are just uh, going at Asriel, And Tim's got a staff here, but I just I love uh, this cover. What do you guys think about the cover for Seven at Terrence?
4: Yeah, in fact, when I opened up my bags, I had two issues, so I'm not sure when I picked up two, but I uh, I, I love it, and it's great art, and it's also uh, like holds double meaning of Robin stuck in the middle between the two batmen where Mm -hmm. he is literally and figuratively so yeah i love it ryan like earlier we talked about the branding
3: of of nightfall and night quest and and that's the one of the things i love the most about this issue is that it feels like a like an event you know we've got night quest the search night quest the crusade and then here and robin said when we have night quest the conclusion it just makes it feel very epic and i just i like the color scheme i like the the setup of it and the cover of it just having you know, Bruce Wayne and, and John Paul Batman and Robin in the middle. It just, it just, it's just a really cool, you know, ending to Night Quest, trying to, you know, see where it's going to go from there. Uh, The thing I like uh, moving into one of the first uh, pages here,
0: this is, uh, we've said before, this is very Spider-Man Peter Parker-esque that he's been out fighting all night and just comes home and crashes and realizes, oh crap, I'm in my costume. So if you had been reading the Robin series (laughs) <laughs> uh, he was with the Huntress in the last uh, issue for the podcast that we talked about. So if you were reading that, you could think, oh, he just got done with the Huntress. But probably more so, he's just getting back from the whole abattoir scenario and is crashed at home. And Mrs. Uh, McIlvain is coming up the stairs, and Tim has that, oh, crap, I'm in the costume. And if she hadn't knocked, he would have come in. And ha- how do you explain that, hey, I'm, I'm Robin, so – uh, I just like these little things that they put in with Tim that uh, it's still very much a teen and isn't really quite thinking about, like, oh, crap. I know Dad's gone, but there's still somebody else in the house. So what did you guys think about the opening of uh, of uh, Robin 7, uh, Terrence?
4: Yeah, like you said, very Peter Parker-ish. Reminded me of the original Tobey Maguire Spider-Man where Aunt May was kind of knocking on the door, and he's like, don't come in. Uh, and then, <laughs> I, I don't know, maybe I just have a twisted mind, but his maid or his housekeeper – uh, I mean, her lines here could be interpreted in many different yeah, ways yeah. where she's like, yeah. you needn't be shy, Tim Nothing I've, I've never looking, seen before. Yeah, <laughs> I've been looking after young men all my life, all me life. Like, what, <laughs> how exactly should I after them? Uh, but then and then we get the Tim Drake coming out of the shower scene, which uh, I think was specifically in the letter column here. Debbie rudder in sherman oaks california had asked for that so she got it there he is yeah uh, <laughs> uh and, and speaking of the the shower scene
0: I, i'm i should you know when you're thinking of a sentence and you go i probably shouldn't say this but i'm just gonna go ahead and say it tim is actually pretty ripped uh in yeah. this yeah. but i think that that goes to you know tim has obviously been working out he's been training with Batman, so he he would need to probably be muscular to be able to do the things that he's doing. So it's probably heightened up a little bit more, probably because somebody had written in, like, oh, you want your shower scene? Well, here you go. So it's that point of, like... Yeah, that, that she was specifically as, like,
3: we yeah. have more scenes with, with him taking, a, <laughs> taking his
0: shirt yeah. off. And I'm going, well, you know that they're drawing, like, a 16-year-old boy, so, uh, like, exactly what are you asking him?
4: yeah i hope she was a 16 year old girl Girl and yeah (laughs) yeah not a 45 year old man pretending to be you know i better use a female name on this so i'm not but yeah yeah, you're right his muscles are ripped but it's not so like sometimes in comic books the muscles are just ridiculous um this is kind of actually ripped but somewhat believable for a, a you know a young guy who's doing a lot of sports or a lot of uh physical training yeah Moving on it says
0: I actually have it says page four but for me it's six hundred seventy or six hundred thirty seven. Um, Tim and Bruce uh, getting a chance to meet. I don't think this is technically their first meet. Um, I think it's in Shadow of the Bat. It's kind of slid out where uh, Bruce is back and you kind of see what happens uh, with Cassandra. Uh, so this is Bruce and Tim uh, at the airport uh, getting ready to uh, for Tim to meet his dad that. Um, the last time that he saw his dad was was being... He heard his dad was taken hostage, so he already lost one parent because of a kidnapping. Here's a second time, so you can only imagine what Tim is thinking when he finally gets to see his dad, and Bruce has, you know, saved his dad twice now, and then in the process, Bruce is uh, healed. He's walking again. So being Batman fans and, and also Tim Drake fans tim getting his dad but i think kind of more importantly bruce wayne is upright he's walking again so were you guys thinking okay bruce is back and then we do have this little moment with bruce and tim where he's like i kind of think i'm ready to retire so did your heart sink at all just uh all of that uh right there uh terrence
4: yeah you know i think the cover kind of gives it away that um we're going to see a showdown here between Jean-Paul and Bruce. So when I was reading this, I was kind of a little bit more of like, come on, get to get to the showdown, get to the showdown. So this didn't maybe have quite the emotional impact it would have had. But it's still, you know, it's I, I like the panel layout and um, it's kind of uh, some some cool angles. Um, the art, especially on the fourth page, is like an overhead shot of them sitting at the table um and tim's uh red like coffee mug turns to a red red and white striped cup i think or something but um Mm -hmm. i'm looking at it right now like wait a minute that's not the same thing on the top panel but still um overall uh yeah it was all right but it was i don't know maybe a little forgettable
3: yeah Ryan. well you know people that don't like that like to criticize things like oh, I don't know, The Dark Knight Rises, say things like, oh, Alfred would never leave Bruce, that's not right, or Batman would never stop being Batman, that's not right, that never happened in the comics, but yet here we are in a comic where Alfred's left Bruce and yeah. Bruce is contemplating retiring from being Batman, so there's my little rant. Um, but, and, but going off of just this comic alone, I'm kind of disappointed in Bruce. Like, how, how could Bruce be that this... You know, Dumb. trusting. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. like he thinks everything's fine. I'm gonna be whatever. I'm just like Bruce, 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 Bruce. Alfred's gone. Chandra's mind is completely lost, and he somehow thinks that Gotham's still in good hands. <laughs> yeah. But, but, and I'm just trying to think. Like, didn't before all this happened? Didn't did he not tell Jean Paul to not go up against Bane under any circumstances? I can't remember. Yeah. what – what was Bruce's reaction after that happened? What Did we get one? Like, after after he defeated Maine, what did Bruce do? I don't
0: think he knew anything. The only interaction that he could have had is when Tim calls London. I think we even kind of joked about it on the yeah. podcast, like, oh, everything's horrible, and Bruce has got to get back, and then it's like, well, everything's fine. So I don't think Alfred even – I think he pulls, like, a Dark Knight Rises. Like, well, I got the letter for you, but – Tim tells me stuff sounds like it's bad, but you're kind of
3: over being Batman, so I'm just not going to tell you. Yeah, so yeah, think Bruce it's weird. Had any knowledge. Yeah, it's weird that Bruce gets back and he doesn't even have his, you know, like nothing is gone right in Gotham or in the supposed personal life he wants to continue doing. And I'm just like, this is kind of a, it just seems like a string. It seems overforced, so that when he gets to the Batcave and sees how bad things really are. That he has to be like, oh, okay, well, this is bull crap. I got to change, you know, and be Batman again somehow. So before uh,
0: Tim helps his father, uh, you know, get to bed and 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 all of that, and then Tim says, "Well, hey, we we need to go." So I think the the ruse was let's talk about the car that they're going to use for his dad. And Tim takes him to a Wayne Manor, and this is the page in page ten where where I said I think that it's the grandfather clock. If you look at the very top, I think you could see like the remains of the grandfather clock kind of laying off to the side, and that would appear to be the main entrance to the Batcave that they're going down. So I think it's probably just because they're in Wayne Manor that Bruce is like, well, we're, we're going down the main route. They even make mention that the lights aren't really working or they're not on, that Jean-Paul is hardly down here at all, and there's the mention that he's not using the car, and then the rumbling of the train coming back in and looks at, And just the shadow on uh, Eleven of uh, Asbats coming in. You kind of see this, you know, basically the Asbats logo shadow kind of coming through with his, you know, razor-sharp uh, suit. Uh, this is my least favorite suit. It's still a cool suit. I like the original Asbats costume with the cape and kind of the spiky top. But this is this is a cool yeah. version um, as well. Um, and then Bruce taking on... Uh, Jean-Paul right here in the cave. Um, I don't know if I thought uh, back at the time, seeing that this said conclusion, like, Bruce is going to come in, punch him in the face, done, out, (laughs) I'm Batman. You know, not knowing, you know, in the internet day and age, we would have seen solicits for Night's Quest The End. So I think at the time I thought this was going to be one and done, and you quickly realize that Bruce may be walking again, but it's not the Bruce Wayne that we know he still he has a road to go to get conditioned uh back up so uh terrence i guess this question is probably more for you and maybe ryan as well did you think this was going to be over in this issue or were you pretty sure that bruce was going to have to go through a whole training regimen uh
4: i knew there was more to come uh if i have the single issue here and in the after the cover the back of the cover um has an ad for night's end it just has has the bat shield cracked and it says the end is near and i do believe i think direct currents which i love which i think they're they brought back in some form uh would come out every month and would have all the solicitations in it so i was pretty well aware that there was going to be a, a night's end um coming up uh, for me, the the two things that really stood out for me from the, the the recap, where Tim has the scene with his dad and his father was like, I'm going to be a better father for you. I'm going to be there for you. I'm not going to be like I was obsessed with my business. And I remember reading that back in 94 and being like, oh, man, this is this is bad for Tim. This is what is he going to do? Like, yeah. really perplexed because on the one hand, like that's going to really interfere with him being Robin. But on the other hand, that's would be like his greatest wish and i could see bruce who had lost his father being like no you need to be a son more than you need to be robin and so i i and i uh, this was a um sorry i was stumbling for words there this was a a story beat that continued for a while in the robin series Mm -hmm. and and the guilt that he felt like not spending time with his dad especially with his dad being in a wheelchair and everything so so that was really like when I read that, it was like, oh man, this is gonna be big, and it was. And then when they get to Wayne Manor and seeing like the windows smashed and just it is sort of in disarray with the grass not cut and stuff, <laughs> uh, Jean Paul not been out there with the lawnmower, um, it, it kind of <laughs> that was kind of shocking. I know we've seen it destroyed a little bit more in some things like Court of Owls now and stuff like that, but at the time, um, the only thing I, I, th- I remember seeing it get blown up in uh, Dark Knight uh, Returns. Uh, and then where'd you leave off Rob here? They go down to the cave and, and yeah. the asbestos. suits. Yeah, this was not my favorite suit either. I, I like the original, the very first one that he put on probably a lot better than this, but I did, I did enjoy how there's on, um, page 13. Um, I just thought it was really cool how. Asbats is kind of telling Bruce that he should have been more violent. He should have put an end to some of these killers like Abattoir, Poison Ivy, the Riddler. And then he says, or the Joker. And at the same time, you see the broken case of Jason Todd's uh, memorial Uh where Jason Todd was still dead at this point from the Joker. And it was just subtle. It was just something only a fan would get. And I always liked – I love, love, love the Dark Knight movie so much. Because Heath Ledger's performance <clears throat> is so good and the writing is so good. And when he's t- speaking, even though he's the villain, I agree with him. I'm like, yeah, yeah he's yeah. right. <clears throat> Especially the scene where him and Two-Face and he's talking about it's all part of the plan. You know, like if a, if a little kid dies, everyone freaks out. But if a bunch of soldiers die or, so you know, or a everyone bomb loses their minds. Yeah, yeah. Like, but it's all part of the plan. And I'm like, he's right. He's right. And in this scene, I'm actually like agreeing with Asbats to a point. I'm like, well, maybe he's right. Maybe he has some point. And I think those villains work so much better when there is some truth into what they're saying. So I, I the, the tension in this scene and with Bruce was very real back in 94 when i read it and even today when i reread it i could like i could feel myself like tensing up during it so it was really good
3: yeah ryan yeah i love this this conflict you know and and you see the cover and you think there's gonna be more of a fist fight and there is kind of a little fight but but this little section here is is really at the heart of it and as we as you'll we'll see more going in towards um Night's end it's it's more about like well what is batman and what is Batman about, and what, it's not just about being strong, it's about three things, as we all know, speed, skill, and sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, um, you know, another point to the uh, audio drama, the audio drama also makes Azrael say, you know, I beat Poison Ivy and the Riddler or the Joker and, and Bane. He, always mentioned, he also mentions Bane, and I think that's kind of something important that this book kind of forgot, doesn't even mention, surprisingly, he should have been like, yeah, I I defeated who's on that defeated Bane. You know he broke yeah, your back. Yeah. and I i cleaned up your mess. You know he, that could have been. I kind of wanted to see him kind of mention mention that little nugget, <laughs> but for <laughs> some reason they but for some reason they don't really bring that up. But uh, I do like Terrence's point about a subtle that subtle link between you know the Joker and and the the broken Robin case. That's kind of interesting. Um, the other thing that I do find interesting is the trajectory of this cup of coffee that's on the Bat Cave computer. Um, like in one page, on page ten, you just kind of sit, a cup of coffee sitting there, and then on the next page, <laughs> yeah. you see that you see it kind of like shaking a little bit as the Batmobile comes in, and then and then when Batman uh, throws Bruce Wayne into the back and pier, you see the cup of coffee fall over. So I just find it interesting that they kind of make absolutely sure to keep track of where that cup of coffee is going.
4: Yeah,
3: that's page. good. And whose coffee is it? You know,
4: because I guess it was there for yeah, a while. Like, yeah, like, it looks
3: like it's already been there. Like, maybe it's like, is that Bruce's cup of coffee that he that he, that he he kept with him through the, the airport? Or is it, you yeah. know, Jean-Paul's <laughs> cup of coffee? I'm not sure. And you would think, you know, it's if it's a styrofoam cup, that's bad. Because every time that, you know, Jean-Paul would try to pick it up, he'd put, like, holes in it and stuff. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, I think there's been some issues. That was a good issues. cup of coffee. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, there's been old, some of these other issues because I always wondered like the you see Azrael like I think he stays in the suit pretty much full time now he doesn't like really doesn't take it off much so I'm like what does he eat and so you'll see things like you know just a bunch of you know food, you know tin food cans just like spread all over the place I'm like I wonder if he just uses his claws to kind of like open the food cans <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> instead of using like a like a bat can opener or something I just think it's kind of funny. That's funny. Wrapping this up
0: here, what I, other than the, the car chase here, you know, you have Jean Paul hopping in the Batmobile. Bruce is kind of dazed, and Tim's taken off. Bruce is saying, you know, Robin, it's not the time for uh, rash reaction. It's said, excuse me, Bruce, but this ex- is exactly the right time. That you know, Bruce is left in the dust. You know, here's essentially two proteges. One's headed off off the rails and the next one is is leading and leaving the mentor in the dust and knowing that well Bruce can't do anything right now I've got to take this into my own hands and we have the car chase with the Batmobile and Redbird going side by side which I thought was really kind of cool seeing you know the Redbird you know operate and getting from Tim's perspective of like how fast the Batmobile is, but knowing that the Redbird is pretty good in in a straight shot, and that if he can just keep up, he can. He's not exactly sure what he's gonna do, but he's gonna try and do something. And uh, Jean Paul is driving into oncoming traffic, and it's making it hard for Tim to operate. And uh, after the chase is all said and done, uh, Azrael asbat has gone gotten away. The Redbird's kind of dinged up, and. Even making the mention of, like, oh, this is going to be great for my insurance premiums, (laughs) or, you know, Bruce and Tim having the discussion of, you know, what needs to be done next. And Bruce knowing he's going to need some training and uh, knows somebody that can probably do that. And I think Tim kind of alludes to who that might be. And even Tim saying, this is going to be like a semester in hell or more of a. That's such
3: a 90s line. I love it. Yeah,
0: and more of a refresher course, which I did like. And then now, now what do I do with it while it's here? So I thought the, the issue ended on a, a good note, but it was kind of a downer note. Like, oh, great, Bruce Bruce has some training to do. He can't fight Asriel. Uh, Tim's dad is back, and just when Bruce needs him, now so does his dad. So I was real excited to uh, see where the story was going to go from here and what type of training Bruce is gonna to have to go through and you know we'll we'll get into that later down the line. So just uh the final thoughts here on uh, issue seven and uh maybe what your thoughts were for uh night's end uh coming around uh Terrence.
4: Yeah, one thing I forgot to mention, I wanted to bring this up. Uh when Bruce and Tim on page nine are about to uh go into the uh go into Wayne Manor, Bruce kinda gives Tim a lot of crap of like yeah. You know, like, yeah, like you like you I left you here to handle this, and you handle my problems. Like that's a lot to put on a fifteen or sixteen. You year couldn't old handle dude.
3: Batman's problems. And Tim yeah. was like,
4: he tried to kill me. <laughs> Bane, who broke his back, was still in the thing. Yeah, it just seems like a lot. But it's kind um, of
3: an interesting dichotomy when you start when you think about how. Tim Drake started out, and it was like this long, drawn-out, like, well, you're not ready to be rubbing, you're not ready to be rubbing, and then all of a sudden it's like, why didn't you do everything? <laughs> I think even one of you said, I think it was probably you, Ryan,
0: that Azrael As- was not supposed to go up against Bane whatsoever. So, in Bruce's yeah. mind, he got back to Gotham City, he can walk again, he's not going to be Batman. If everything went according to Bruce's plan, Bane still has a city on yeah. <laughs> on lockdown terror, so... Uh, reading that, going, well, you're not going to be Batman, and you're not going to let the Batman that's currently being Batman go up against Bane, you're probably coming back to a war zone. Like, you should not yeah. be surprised at all about what's going on. So, that kind of seemed out of character for uh, Bruce to kind of say those things. Like, you should have done more. Like, what was I supposed to do, you know? So, we've got uh, letters.
1: Dear friend, I like to start my notes to you as if we're already in the middle of a conversation. I pretend that we're the oldest and dearest friends, as opposed to what we actually are—people who don't know each other's names—and met in a chat room where we both claimed we'd never been before.
3: Oh, Ryan, what do you got in the letters <laughs> the letter section? There's 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 a few good letters, and these uh, come out of Robin number eleven, of course, but they're about the issue we just uh, talked about. And there's there's uh, so there's a few good ones. <clears throat> okay. And at this time in Robin Eleven they're still they still have not decided what their letters column is gonna be. But here's one that comes from Lynn from Knoxville, Tennessee. And it's pretty uh, oh, here's my dog knocking around footballs. food bowls. Uh, it says uh, Dear Rockin' Robins, the trees swayed in the gentle breeze as I read the copy of Robin number seven. I was just <laughs> it's so dramatic. Yeah, huh? I know. It gets better. A wood thrush sang, I bruised the pages, slowly reading and rereading each panel, relishing each line, each stroke of the pen, for this was what it was all about. The thrill, the intersection of two great storylines, a pivotal point, a 3-2 pitch with a runner in scoring position. I paused at the end of page 11. Robin and Bruce were in the Batcave. Razor Gauntlet Man just entered. Tell me this does Tell me this doesn't seem weird to Bruce, thought Robin. Indeed. What would Bruce do? What would he say? Batman to Batman. (laughs) (laughs) I paused, savoring the moment. Times like these are like a fine Bordeaux, and not to be gulped like Gatorade. Beyond this page awaited the unknown, the unpredictable, the unrelenting story. I let the tension build inside me until it was exquisite, until it was time to know, yes to know. (laughs) <laughs> Few of us are aware of our. This is this is amazing. Few of us are aware of our life's most defining <laughs> moments at the time they occur. But dare I say that forty or fifty years from now, when you nights spinners are sitting listlessly on a Florida beach watching the sun fall into the Gulf, as you <laughs> mentally replay your life's great sit- events, you will then whisper, "Citizen Kane," like these were our finest hours. Bravo! <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> So that was probably the best thing that this person has ever read,
4: ever. <laughs> it's like wow, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> that was somebody trying to get hired as a writer for Detective. Oh, yeah, that's, what, it's that's what it
3: feels
0: like. Oh yeah. like, you know, man, I, I I could only imagine the people at DC that were going through letters like, we've got to print this one. Yeah, they're yeah. not saying anything really. Well, if in this. they were
3: saying, yeah, if they were saying this just to, to, to get in a,
4: in the issue, then
3: they succeeded.
4: Yeah. <laughs> I kept having to mute my microphone. I was laughing so hard. I was coughing. That was hilarious.
3: <laughs> it was really amazing. Let's see. Let's see the next one. Um. Dear Gorf, uh, the conclusion of Night Quest in Robin No. 7 could have been a story featuring Asbats and Bruce, with Robin playing second fiddle to events taking place in his own book. Could have been. My <laughs> compliments to Chuck. This issue was Robin's through and through with the Asbats and Bruce, the supporting cast. This is why I read DC Comics. Characters don't take a backseat to profit gaining crossovers. In the middle of Night Quest, okay. By the <laughs> way... By the way, Tom Grummett draws one mean as bats, one of the best. And then the response is, what would you say?" Oh, and it's from E. J. S. from Green Greenfield, Wisconsin. And the response is, "Why'd you say, EJ? Hard to hear your hard to hear you over the bat cash register, Ka-ching, ching ching ching. <laughs> But seriously, thanks for the compliment all the Bat writers worked. Hard to maintain the feel of each individual book in the smaller stories that comprise the Knights' mega crossovers while remaining true to the overall vision and feel of the larger story. It is a lot more difficult to maintain continuity and personal style than it seems. And I would agree with that, and I think that yeah. they probably did do a really good job of keeping the uh, individuality of these books, you know, in, in this Robin series in particular. Yeah, definitely. Dear Denny and Jordan, Robin number seven almost made suffering through this whole Nightfall Night Quest thing <laughs> worth it all. Almost. Almost. <laughs> I guess, I guess that, that now Bruce knows what the readers knew all along, namely that making an amateur like Azrael the Batman was a bonehead move. Frankly, no explanation that I have read in the context of the storyline or any of the text pages has adequately explained why Bruce wouldn't contact Nightwing. Aside from the Wayne family coming to his senses, oh, aside from. Aside from Wayne finally coming to his senses, there were numerous things about this issue to enjoy. Tom Grummet is one of my favorite artists working today. The Peter Parker scene with Tim almost getting caught in the costume was nostalgic and fun. All in all, a fine issue as usual. William Bracken, Jonesboro, Arkansas. And the the response, I think, is good with this one, too. There are several reasons Bruce didn't contact Nightwing to take over the mantle of the Bat when he was put on injured reserve but two stand out most prominently in my mind and of course we all know the real reason was because they didn't cause they didn't want to cause the writers using nightwing didn't want to wanted to use them in their story in the titan story and didn't let them use it in nightfall proper but right. uh this response says um a Bruce needed to go away immediately and Azrael was the most easily accessible qualified guy with the most flexible schedule <laughs> and b Bruce and Nightwing hadn't been on friendly terms for a long time. At the time of his injury, Bruce Wayne was overconfident. Why else did he succumb to Bane's might and too proud to reconcile with his, quote, firstborn? As we will learn over the next few months, Bruce has grown as a direct result of his months-long search, as in Night of search, and has a changed outlook that will affect his decisions he now makes. That segs nicely into our next letter.
4: Hey, uh, before you – Ryan, real quick. Yes, uh, the and I think I've said this before, and I'll probably say it again as we get to tonight's end on the podcast. Something doesn't add up in the way DC editorial explains things. I I don't believe yeah. them about the Nightwing. I don't think they ever wanted to use Dick Grayson, and I think they just made that excuse as, for um the fans because if you listen on some of their interviews or some of the things they talk about, how you know Jean Paul Valley was going to be this um you know, like reflection of 90s ultraviolet comics. Yeah. Now it's not Batman and all that. Yeah. And it was always intended to be a short story. But then why would you have ever had Dick Grayson? And you wouldn't have put Dick Grayson in that role and done all that and stuff. So no. I I always feel like something doesn't add up there unless they – I don't know. It, Dick Grayson – I don't think they ever really wanted Dick Grayson and just say that because they don't want to say we didn't want Dick Grayson. Yeah. yeah.
3: Well, like I said, I mean they they, they were – the New Titans or whatever was really popular at the time, and they didn't want to use the Nightwing in the story, but they could have thrown him in a couple of scenes to kind of show, like, to really be explicit why he's not involved at that yeah. stage. Uh, so let's see. I got a couple of letters left, and that, that last one f- feeds into this one. Uh, it says Dear Robin, Robin's decision to defy Bruce's commands was indicative of his new independence. Not that he still doesn't admire and respect Bruce. That's been well illustrated elsewhere, but he's secure enough to act on his own, even if his actions may be rash, as Bruce characterized them. Tim also showed spunk, not disrespect, when he stood his ground when his mentor admonished him for not keeping him informed of John Paul's actions. I wonder if Tim's father returning uh, will further complicate his relationship with Bruce. Tim's head seems to be fairly solidly screwed on, but he'll be dividing his time between two father figures, both convalescing so to speak and it should be interesting to see how he balances his loyalties and his time since it's robin's book it's probably wise to keep bruce's appearances to a minimum and after night's end i presume that they will be but their relationship should continue to be explored i realize that his appearance is imminent in this saga but nightwing is long overdue it might not be a bad idea to have dick visit once in a while after the conclusion of the story while you're at it maybe dick and bruce can patch things up And that's from Jeff DeMose from New York, New York, and the response is, uh, regarding Dick Grayson guesting in the Bat Books, be careful what you ask for, Uh, (laughs) because as we all know, you you get prodigal right after this. And they say, originally, we did not have the time or space to deal with Bruce and Dick's rocky relationship, despite our overwhelming desire to finally put some closure on this subplot. But as, quote, they, whoever they are, say, things change. As it turns out, we will be devoting Robin 13 to this long-delayed confrontation. (laughs) Personally, I am excited as heck. (laughs) So that's good. Okay, and here's the the last one. Dear Robin Crew, I want to thank you all for Turning Point. Uh, It's great to have Bruce back. No, not Springsteen, as well as Tim's dad. Despite the problems it will cause his Robin identity. The best part of the story was Bruce's righteous anger over the mess Azrael's made of Batman's name. Not to mention the mess he made of Wayne Manor. That, Azrael, no manners. Sorry, couldn't resist. Chuck Dixon turned in a character-driven story, meaning that everyone acted and reacted the way that they should. There was also a fine use of understatement when Bruce expressed second thoughts regarding retirement. That development was portrayed naturally. Can you see? Oh, can you see this scene as portrayed in one of Marvel's titles? There would be, there would have been angst and expository expository captions galore.
4: <laughs> oh yeah, my yeah. name's Bruce Wayne. I am Batman. I am the, yeah. That's the thing I hate about Marvel is they have this. <laughs> uh, uh, sorry to interrupt, but they have this thing where they want it to be that if any person who ever. Who never read a comic book before can understand that book because every comic yeah. is somebody's first book so the first two pages you get a whole explanation of who the x-men are and who is everything and all that and that's why i like dc where they had that scene where like or the joker and it has the case but you need to go back and read or be know yeah really the impact of that purpose yeah so yeah yeah good, good, good point
3: <laughs> yeah that's interesting uh, I've always considered Tom Grummet's work to be some of the most appealing stuff in the field since his days on The Adventures of Superman. His style is cartoony, yet very finished, and quite professional. I like Tom's page layouts. They're easy to read, yet innovative. And the chase scene between Robin and Azrael was particularly well done. I should add that Ray Cressings' inks are some of the cleanest and most fluid I've seen anywhere. These two make a great team. It was a kick to finally see their rendition of Bruce Wayne. This was their first time, No. Uh, And I'm sure Bruce's looks leave many female fans of this title going gaga. (laughs) And the response, and that's from Aldo R. Perdomo from Los Angeles. And the response is, not surprisingly, the ladies are way wilder for Robin than Bruce. Ooh, that baby fat. (laughs) (laughs) Credit does indeed go to the fine team of Robin, of Tom and Ray, who will be back for Robin number 14 for the very distinct look that they have established in Robin. I'm particularly thrilled to finally see Tom get his due in many recent letters. Lately, readers have been heaping on the praise and recognition of Tom's singular style and the wonderful, delicious work that he has brought to Robin. I shall be running many of these missives in the next two letters columns. So there you go. That's a that was a really good letter letter section. Especially that yeah. oh, that opening one. Like oh, I think man, if, if I'd awesome. have read that back in the day, I'm like, well, I can't follow this guy. <laughs> Forty to fifty years from now we will be singing the phrases of Robin No. Seven, the night quest conclusion.
4: This little will be they, our finest hour. <laughs> little
3: little did they know that, you know, twenty years later that we'd be talking about it on this podcast. That's right.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: Which came true.
4: I wonder if he even remembers he wrote that letter. You know? <laughs> so, or I
3: wonder if he wrote the same letter to a bunch of other books. Like, yeah. I remember you know, X-Men number 12. We'll be talking <laughs> yeah. about that just to see which one would print the letter. Yeah, he just probably had blank sections. Like,
0: I read Robin <laughs> Blah. I read Superman <laughs> Duh.
4: I read uh, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Justice <laughs> League Task Force number seven. <laughs> yeah. It's funny how uh, fan reaction has changed, too, because – he probably sat down and wrote that by hand and then probably typed it and then, you know, mailed it out and all that. Today, it would just be like Twitter, like, great-ish, Bruce Wayne, smiley face emoticon. You know, like, it, it, we've we've got, digressed, I think, a, a lot in fan reaction. Poop emoji, poop emoji, poop emoji. <laughs> yeah. As bad as poop <laughs> emoji. Yeah. You know, I, I think I even said it in, you
0: know, the opening for the show of like, hey, I'm not getting much in the email, but the – the Twitter feed is is very active. That's really instantaneous. Like uh, even as far as our shows to put up an episode, people you know get you the likes and the retweets and and things like that. I think uh, as good as some of those things are, hearing if I can use the word eloquent for that letter. Like whoever wrote that took their time to write down and pen and and craft something. I think sometimes it's. We're missing some of that today of where we we've gotta abbreviate and hyphenate everything. I, I kinda like that's I think it's why I enjoy hearing these letters that you know somebody between the ages of sixteen to forty took the time to write a letter that it it affected them enough to it's either good or bad and um, you know, like they said, you know, here we are twenty years later talking about uh, these issues and uh our pretty much right on par with what they were saying uh, back in the 90s
3: yeah i like that it's a kind of a built-in thing that we have to kind of see what people thought about these issues back then because it's i mean i mean even today it's hard it, it's hard to find people that's like oh yeah this is what i thought about robin seven or whatever but it's 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 a nice contrast especially compared to what we think about it now
0: yeah definitely well i think this is where uh, we're going to put the pen in the episode uh thanks for ryan and terrence for uh, uh Completing uh, Night Quest, and uh, obviously, moving forward, we're going to be looking primarily at what Tim is doing in uh, Night's End and uh, seeing Bruce Wayne take the mantle of Batman back, and maybe even kind of uh, comparing and contrasting the last fight Bruce had in Wayne Manor and in the Bat Cave uh, with Bane and then uh, Jean Paul. Sorry, no, man.
4: I just I just wanted to say congratulations on fifty episodes, Rob. This was your yeah. baby, your brainchild. You yeah. started it, and congratulations, and here's to fifty more.
0: I you know, I, I was gonna half gloss it over. Somebody had asked, I wish I could remember. I'll I'll try and go back through the comments because somebody had asked what we were gonna do for fifty, and the fiftieth episode just came because the last episode went longer, like this should have been like one giant episode so like we will do something but i remember thinking when i had first started this that it's the whole thing of like okay will anybody listen and uh dustin at the batman universe said you know the episodes won't drop until you get a bank of like five and then like all five are released all in one day and i remember checking like the downloads of like nobody's downloading it nobody's downloading it i remember I specifically remember recording the seventh episode, going, I don't even know why I'm doing this. I'm, just, uh-huh. I'm I'm talking to myself, and then I started. Dustin says, "Hey, you know, check check the downloads." And then there was quite a few downloads, and then right away there were um, some wonderful um, replies or reviews up on iTunes, and that made me feel really uh, really good after a while. So I just want to say a big thank you to everybody that has caught up in 2016 Um, it kind of seems every now and then somebody will say, hey I just stumbled onto the show and I just binge listened to like 47, 47 episodes and that means very very much to me and to know that I have two gentlemen on this show that I consider friends that have said, yeah, I, I, I want to do this with you. And we officially just added Ryan to know that there's three of us on here that enjoy this material, and here we are at 50. And it's it, it's it does make me smile to go, cool that there, there are people out there that enjoy this as much as as we do sitting here on a, on a Sunday night talking about it. So thank you to to everyone that's been here through 50 and um i'm really hoping to do uh 50 more so from the bottom of my heart thank you everybody for for doing uh for doing this with me the two of you and yeah everybody out there for listening to this podcast it means a lot
4: you got it if we if we make it to a hundred or maybe before then we should do a live podcast somewhere figure out like triangulate which comic book convention is the closest for the three of us and all meet at it we should
3: just do we the North Carolina Comic Con and make Rob come out to it.
4: Yeah, exactly. My,
3: yeah. my sister
0: lives in Rock Hill, South Carolina. Um, there you go. So uh, to have an excuse to hey, I'm going to go see it and by the way I'm going to a comic convention, so <laughs> uh, that'd yeah. be fun. That
3: yeah, that North Carolina Comic Con is getting getting bigger and bigger every year, so hey, we should do a we should do a live panel. Let me that, super cool. That'd be fun. pretty yeah. cool. What that that'd be really surreal to, to
4: do a live panel like <laughs> hey, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That'd be really weird. Do uh do they have a uh, cheer wine soda by you, Rob?
0: No, I I've heard of it, but uh, we don't okay. have anything. Okay. It's
4: a it's a North Carolina thing, but we'll we'll have to get you a big glass of cheer wine. It's really good stuff. Oh,
0: cool. I bet I asked my sister. She'll be like, Oh yeah,
4: we have that. It's che- it's like cherry flavored, but oh, it's really good. Yeah. What cheer cheer wine? It's called cheer wine. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. And it's it's like it's it's not alcoholic. Right. Uh, but it's um Yeah, and it's it's like a cherry-flavored soda. But I think it's just like a local Carolina thing, but it's really good.
0: Huh, cool. Well, on the behalf of Ryan, Terrence, and myself, Rob, you've been listening to the net, and more importantly, you've been listening to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake for 50 episodes. We will see you guys in the next episode, 51. Take care.
1: texting you uh, hey robin it's 7:30 what it's okay i'm ready to fight crime you the dark knight been sleeping
4: past 2 but we got us back i mean i'm sorry it's okay we never late
0: thanks for listening to robin everyone loves the drake comic podcast this podcast has been brought to you by the Batman Universe.net. tim drake robin and all related Batman characters are under copyright of DC Comics. This podcast is solely for your entertainment purposes. There is no money exchanging hands at any time for any reason. I can't even find a quarter underneath my keyboard. So no infringement is intended by the show. This also applies to all music and sound clips as well. So there should be no need for you to send Lex Luthor's lawyers after us. That would be greatly appreciated. Thanks. You can now get a hold of the show in a few different ways now. The most recent is on Twitter. we are at ELTD Podcast. You can also now get a hold of us via email. It only took me two years to get one. So if you want to email in, you can do so at Robin ELTD Podcast at Yahoo.com. Our Facebook page can be found at www.facebook.com Everyone Loves the Drake. And we are also on YouTube. In the search engine in YouTube, just type in Robin Everyone Loves the Drake and it'll take you to our YouTube page. And as always, you can message Directly over at the Batman Universe website. So email, tweet, message us. We'd love to hear from you and we will read your comments on the air. The show that you're listening to can be found a few different ways through iTunes, Windows Media, and over at our host site, The Batman Universe. Leave us a review on iTunes if you listen there. It will help spread the word of the show. Make sure you head over to TheBatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman And Robin. Thanks for listening to the show and hearing why everyone loves the Drake. We will see you in a few weeks. Take care.